The initial MVP took several iterations, but what we did start with was building like this general purpose B2B suite. What goes into that? It's having multi-user accounts with different roles and permissioning. It's having a know your customer, know your business process that is required to be compliant with AML laws. As interest rates started to rise, we saw this big opportunity to help customers get their cash balances off 0% interest. And we thought that treasury bills would be pretty interesting for a corporate treasury. From the time we started thinking about treasury bills to actually shipping the product was really only about six weeks. I'm Bryce Crawford, CTO and co-founder of Meow. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Took six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the back end. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. Took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. Not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Laphart, and today how Bryce Crawford built the platform that enables your business to put your idle cash to work. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open-source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there, too. Terso makes this easy, utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. Bryce Crawford had a pretty simple path into tech. He attended school at Vanderbilt, originally wanting to be a history major. But after observing his dad's role in tech sales, he thought the industry looked like a good way to make money. He's worked for Capital One, Gemini, and Facebook, specifically on Instagram shops. Outside of work, he keeps on coding while trying to exercise, stay in shape, and travel when time permits. Fun fact, he claims to have an addiction to Indian food and tends to eat at the same restaurant two to three times a week. Bryce and his co-founder wanted to start something together for a long time, but didn't have any good ideas. However, they noticed that there was a ton of disruption and advancement in fintech. And specifically, the majority of folks don't like their financial services provider. They aimed to change that for business customers through treasury management. This is the creation story of Meow. We're not affiliated with Costco at all, but we really like to brand ourselves as Costco for financial services. The whole basis of Meow is this idea that financial services at their core are commodities. A bank account is a bank account, a treasury account is a treasury account. And the whole industry and the industry's margin is built on top of sneaky fees and sneaky revenue models. And so we see a huge opportunity to bring customers low cost financial services that are 
highly transparent and basically just build a suite of products that decimates the cost for the customer, passes back more interest while providing the same value. Right now, we provide an easy use interface for businesses to manage their treasury and their bank account. And so we do this by partnering with various infrastructure providers and banking partners. And so we have like some of the lowest fee options for treasury management, make it super easy to buy T-bills, manage T-bill positions. Companies don't have to go through like a treasury direct when they use us. They have a much simpler experience. And then we also offer a high yield checking account that pays 4.31% interest, which is very, very high. We don't have like a, a very standard story other than my co-founder and I, we wanted to start something for a long time and we didn't have like any like specific idea, but we saw that there's just been a ton of disruption in financial services, specifically in financial technology, where you have the third largest industry in the country and the largest services-based industry in the country where the majority of customers don't really like their financial services providers, whether that's their bank account or their brokerage account or anything else. When we got started, we didn't really have a specific idea. We just knew that we wanted to build in the space and that we wanted to build for business customers. So we probably had like five or six ideas we had 10, 20% conviction on and just started trying to talk to as many customers as possible, iterating through those ideas before we landed on treasury management as our initial go-to-market. Tell me about the MVP then of Meow, that first product you built. How long did it take you to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? The initial MVP took several iterations, but what we did start with was building like this general purpose B2B suite to offer financial service products. What goes into that? It's having multi-user accounts with different roles and permissioning. It's having a know your customer, know your business process that is required to be compliant with AML laws. You know, as interest rates started to rise, we saw this big opportunity to help customers get their cash balances off 0% interest. And we thought that treasury bills would be a you know, pretty interesting product for a corporate treasury, you know, compared to other treasury products. And so from the time we started thinking about treasury bills to actually shipping the product was really only about six weeks. It was extremely manual in the early days, but it allowed us to get customer feedback. And, you know, it was very positive when we launched and we we're kind of like, okay, there's, there's something here. Okay, let's dive in a little more to the MVP and around the, those decisions and trade-offs you had to make around, you know, what's that first piece of the product, right? And, and you mentioned that a bit. Tell me about making those decisions and, and how you coped with those decisions. The consistent pattern we've had when building Meow is this pattern of, all right, we have an idea, we want to test it. How do we get it out to customers as quickly as possible? That basically means just building like a bare bones wrapper on a UI around whatever we're doing, and then a whole lot of manual process to make it look like magic on the back end. And I think, I think this pattern has served us well. It's allowed us to test a whole bunch of ideas very quickly. And then when we find something that works, we go ahead and we automate it. We're only 13 people. We manage a little bit over a billion dollars in assets. The only way that works is by leveraging automation, like when you recognize you're on the right track with something. And so 
I think it's been like a trade-off that definitely has led to some late nights and there's always some you know, stressful customer support when you start scaling something. You're like, oh my God, this this is just all this manual process. We're getting caught up in it. So it's like you're spending your nine to five working through like serving customers and then 5 p.m. onward actually building the code to automate that work away. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done, i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cypherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero-trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble? Super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash codestory. From that point, you got your MVP. It's it's working. You're proving the point. You're, you're seeing some traction there. How did you progress the product and mature it? I think to wrap that in a box a little bit, what I'm looking for is how did you build your roadmap? How did you go about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to expand in the product suite for Meow? I think it's coming back to this whole idea of being the Costco for financial services. Every customer we talk to, like they want more. They don't want to be working against their vendor for like, they don't want to be negotiating for more interest. They don't want to be negotiating for lower fees. They want to just have a financial service provider that they can trust, that's transparent, that they know they're getting a good deal with. Like we started with treasury management, which is, you know, the majority of the corporate balance sheet. It's everything beyond what you need for a few months of operating expenses. But there's also this big need to offer like a checking account product, which was the second product we launched. And it's it's another product that commonly in the market it doesn't pay any interest. For a lot of companies, like let's say you have $500,000 in a checking account, Fed funds might be 5%. That means the underlying institution could be making upwards of $25,000 a year on that account. And the customer's not seeing any of it. And so I think there was just this big opportunity to say, hey, you know, we can provide 
just as strong of an offering with enterprise security controls and multi-user accounts and an easy-to-use UI. But hey, we can pass back even more interest than everybody else because we're building lean. And so I think everything we do on our product roadmap is looking for places where other providers are charging sneaky fees, trying to build a high margin business, and then coming in and, and providing the same or better value at a better price point. Okay, let's switch to team then. So how did you go about building your team? And what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? Really, the only advantage you have when you're a startup and you're young is, I mean, it's, it's two things. It's one, you don't have the burden of technical debt or legacy code or legacy process. And the second is that you're able to operate faster than the incumbents. You can just move at a faster speed. And so when we hire, we're really looking for two things. We're looking for people with a sense of urgency, you know, minutes, not days, seconds, not minutes even. And then we're also looking for extremely high work ethic, right? Like when we're trying to disrupt one of the biggest spaces with some of the oldest companies, companies that are over a hundred years old. And the only way we do that is through incredible effort. That just requires people that are willing to work beyond nine to five. Nothing wrong with work-life balance, but that's just not the stage we are as a company, and that's not the company we are today. And so we're looking for people that want to do great work, that want to build something you know, that disrupts this ancient industry. How do you maintain that culture, right? How do you maintain that culture of people that are wanting to put in the effort, go the extra mile, and deliver for the company? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it all starts at hiring, right? It's you have to be you have to be a pit bull about the culture and the hiring process. First interview I do with people, I'm actually not trying to pitch them on the company so much as scare them away. If I tell them, hey, you're going to come here and you're going to work extremely hard and what we're doing is really hard and it's going to take a ton of effort and you need to operate with urgency and they say, hey, that's not for me. I think that's that's a good outcome for both parties, right? I don't want to I don't want to sit there and kind of toe around this idea that, you know, oh, like maybe you will be working hard, maybe you won't be. I want to be very upfront with people. And I've actually found that this attracts very ambitious type of person. You know, somebody that is ambitious and wants to work hard typically wants to work in a company with other people of the same mindset. And so we're just, we're very upfront about that in the interview process. We tend to find people that are of a similar mindset. And then when you get all those people in a room, and they're all feeding off each other's energy, it just becomes that much easier to maintain. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vercel edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too, in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy. With a developer experience of SQLite and a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for Code Story listeners. Head over to terso.tech slash codestory and get started today. That's T-U-R-S-O dot tech slash codestory. Terso. Welcome to the Data Edge. This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. 
This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud costs, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast AI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. Okay, let's flip to scalability. And, and this will be interesting given the industry you're serving. Did you build this to scale efficiently from day one? Or have you had to fight this in any capacity as you grow? There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes in financial services that is not automated. <laughs> you know, we're we're making a lot of progress as an industry and we have some really great infrastructure providers that have been able to automate away a lot of the, the steps, but there's still a lot of manual process. And so there's always this battle of like, okay, we go from 10 to 50 customers, 50 to 100, 100 to 200, and these manual processes just start to really weigh on your time. We're always investing in automation when we find something that works even, even if initially, like I said, we're not investing in that front, but we're, we're always trying to find ways to automate in the long term so we can keep up. I think it's going to be a constant battle for us as a company, but the goal is, the way I kind of like to think about it is, I want to be like an Amazon warehouse at the end of the day. I want, I want it to be like 90% robots, 10% humans with any process that we scale over time. As you step out on the balcony, and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? I think I'm really proud of the team we have and the culture we built. It's an extremely competitive industry, financial services, and a lot of the products aren't differentiated, and we're starting far behind other financial technology companies. Most of our competitors were started in 2017, 2018, and we started many years later. We have less people, we have had less infrastructure in place, but I think our team has really made the difference in us being able to catch up and compete with, with these much more mature companies. It wouldn't happen if, if we didn't have the people at Meow that we do. Okay, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. On procurement or at any time you're buying software or you're building on another infrastructure provider, it's just run procurement run procurement. What do I mean by that? Get two or three vendors for any product you're buying. Every time we've gotten bitten, it's because we find one product to solve a problem we're having and we don't bother to consider the alternatives and we build on this provider and then maybe they're not meeting their SLA, they're not doing what they said they can do and you don't have a backup option. It just puts you in a tough spot where you have to like very quickly decide, are we gonna switch? Are we gonna stick with them? You might invest coding resources and building on top of their APIs and it just becomes a mess. And so I think anytime going forward that we're looking to build on top of someone else's software, we're always gonna look at two or three providers for the same solution. And I think that will that will solve a lot of the mistakes we've made in the past. Okay, this will be fun to ask, Bryce. So what does the future look like for the product and for your team? 
think the future is really exciting in financial technology. It's, it's amazing talking to some investors or people in the space. Like some people sort of think like financial technology is, is, is done. Like everything, all the innovations that have been made today, that's it. That's all there's going to be. But I really see a ton of potential to build as a software company in this space where you're building on top of other banking providers, other infrastructure providers, but our product itself is just software. What I think this will unlock is not only providing low-cost financial services for our customers, but building better tools for those customers to be successful with those financial services products. What do I mean by that? I mean, having a bank account that integrates better with your accounting software so you can automatically classify transactions, match those to vendors, close your books faster. I mean, having analytics and forecasting and projections directly in your financial tools as opposed to having multiple products to solve the same problem. That way you're getting insights in real time as you're taking action, as opposed to having to sort of cobble together a bunch of different things. And so I see this power to sort of verticalize financial software and services within the same product. And that's that's the direction we're taking now right now. Let's switch to you, Bryce. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. I love Jeff Bezos. I have nothing but respect for how obsessive he is over the customer. It's something that's so easy to say, but it's really tough to do. And I'm always reminding myself, we, I need to talk to customers more. I need to listen to them more. I need to be in their shoes more. I need to emphasize them more internally. And I think he, more than anyone else, has done that the best. And so I think just trying to be customer focused as a business and trying to draw inspiration from, from Bezos's words and actions has been most helpful while building the company. Okay, so we talked about a mistake earlier, but this is a little different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? doesn't have to be a mistake. could have worked, but maybe you'd tweak it a little bit. It's a tough question because I really am grateful for where we are today. Mistakes in all, iterations in all. Obviously, I would have loved to have gotten to product market fit faster, saved some money here or there. In terms of like what I would change... Maybe setting up a back office a bit sooner. It's underappreciated. We use AppSmith at Meow. We've, we've had a lot of success with that. Um, there are alternatives like Retool as well. But just one of these low to no code builders to give you some dashboards into like what's going on with your customers, what's going on analytically at your company has proven to be really helpful. It just helps scale process faster. It helps with customer support. It's one of those little things that it doesn't take much investment, but it's just you're like, you keep coming back to you're like, wow, I'm finding a lot of value in this. Like, why didn't I set this up sooner? So if I had to go back, I'd probably set that up much, much earlier in our company's journey. Okay, Bryce, last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? This, this might be counterintuitive, but I would honestly, I think the most helpful thing to say to that person in that instance would, would be to say, don't do it. You know, you're going to have a lot of sleepless nights. You're going to have more stress than you ever imagined. 
your relationships will get strained. And a lot of people are going to be asking you questions and looking for answers that you don't necessarily have. And it's going to be really, really, really tough. And the, I think the idea of saying that is that you really need resilience to, to make it work, especially like for a tech company. It's a 10 plus year build out for you look at all these successful companies of IPO. It's, it's a decade plus. And to have the stamina to stick with that, you really need to be resilient. And I think if someone is discouraged enough not to go forward with their idea because a stranger says they shouldn't, or if they don't respond to that with a fighting attitude, like you say, I can't do it. That just makes me want to do it more. Like that that's the attitude I think a founder needs in order to actually make it over a long period of time. A lot of people can sprint and deal with the stress for a year, maybe two years. But I think it's really hard when you look over the lifetime of a company to be a founder that doesn't burn out and that can stick with it. I think that's awesome. Well, Bryce, thank you for being on the show today. And thank you for telling the creation story of Meow. Thanks, Noah. And this concludes another chapter of Coat Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.